Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. You can text in at 704-570-9610. We'll get to some more comments from Scott Fitter as he continues to speak to the media. Says that this could be a sexy draft for the Carolina Panthers, focusing on more quote-unquote explosive players now that they, for the large part, have figured out their offensive line problems. You still have to figure out QB, and then maybe you can get some of those more explosive players. We'll get to this in the next segment. I do want to get to the ACC QB transfer market, but just real quickly, what are some of your top-of-the-dome thoughts on Scott Fitterer discussing how maybe this is the draft that you can go after some explosive receivers. will be interesting to see if they go after a running back. And, of course, quarterback, it's going to be the number one question coming in this offseason. Well, I mean, you know, it's just all talking until they start to put some of these things into action. I want to see you know, what they're going to do, if they're going to get a quarterback, how aggressive will they be in getting a quarterback sitting there at nine? You know, do they feel like they're in a position to get the guy that they want according to the board that they have uh, preliminary? Well, their preliminary draft board, uh, and then as far as how they're looking at that, what they're willing to do to go up if they do signal a guy, if they do have a guy that they feel like can be the guy going forward, so those are all going to be interesting things. But right now, you know, just giving us lip service until it gets time for the nitty gritty. Well, and Austin Corbett is someone that just tore his ACL. And so we just got that news, according to Scott Fitterer. They do hope that he'll be ready for the start of the season next year. But talk about the worst possible time to tear your ACL. At least you get through this entire season. But at the end of the day, you don't get to the postseason. And now you have to go all through training camp and all of the mini camps and important off-season dates where you're not able to play and then you're supposed to be ready at the start of next year. I I wonder if they have to really look hard at replacing Corbett at least for the beginning part of next season and hopefully he comes back as the same player, right? Yeah. Like we saw this from Matt Paradis coming over as a starting center from the Broncos when they made that pickup. It was an excellent pickup in my opinion at the time, but they took a risk. After that injury, he wasn't ever the same player that was awesome over in Denver before they signed him. I Look, it doesn't mean it has to happen to Corbett, but pretty big deal that Austin Corbett tore his ACL. So hopefully he's able to come back and uh, you can have the offensive line stay a positive. Maybe not this great thing, but maybe top 10 in the NFL you're hoping for. And then you can focus on some of those explosive players. We'll get to more of that discussion a little bit later on in the next segment. I want to talk about college football, though, because we got some interesting news over the weekend and we hinted at it on Friday. Brennan Armstrong. Quarterback for Virginia two years ago had some of the most prolific numbers we had seen all across the country at that quarterback spot. He will now be the starting quarterback for the NC State Wolfpack. He is transferring to the Wolfpack program, and he's going to be playing with the same offensive coordinator that was in Virginia just a couple of years ago, Wes, when he did have all of that success. It was 
not even close to the same type of season last year with first-year head coach Tony Elliott. How excited are you if you if you're an NC State fan that Brandon Armstrong did make that transfer? Um, I think you should be excited, but you also need to temper it as well. Now, last year Virginia's offensive line was one of the worst I'd seen in quite some time. Uh, but I like Tony Elliott as a coach. I like him as a coordinator. So I think you know him coming back and getting with the guy who's he who he is familiar with and has had a lot of success with. You know, we'll see. Uh, like I said, the NC State offense hasn't been the most explosive or the highest scoring uh, offense over the last couple of seasons. So, you know, hopefully this new combination of him uh, and his coach coming in there will, you know, ignite this offense and bring Brennan Armstrong back to where he once was. Um, just to just to clarify the, the big difference in the stats that he put up, it's mind-blowing to be oh, honest yeah. with you. In 2021, Brennan Armstrong had 4,449 yards passing with a 65% completion percentage. He threw for 31 touchdown passes and had 10 interceptions. That was on 500 attempts and playing 11 games. So in one game less played this year, he finished with 2,210 passing yards. That is, I'm not going to do math. I've already gotten myself in trouble before trying to do math, but it is significantly lower only had seven touchdown passes compared to the 31 that he had the year ago. And he had more interceptions on significantly less attempts, Mm -hmm. over 100 less attempts, had more turnovers. And you're right, Wes. It was a significantly worse offensive line still. You would hope that you'd have something close to the season that you had in 2021. But now that you're working with the same offensive coordinator. still had the same receivers as well. 100%. So now you're working with your same offensive coordinator that you had that year where he was excellent. I got to imagine NC State, if you look at that, I think it's pretty easy to talk yourself into being excited about that transfer. Do you think he made the best decision going to NC State? going to an offensive coordinator he's familiar with, when you compare that ACC quarterback transfer to Sam Hartman, transferring from Wake Forest to Notre Dame, and Devin Leary, transferring from said NC State to Kentucky. Who made the best decision of all those three? Uh, I think it was easily Sam Hartman, uh, in my opinion. Just the fact of what he did at Wake Forest becoming the ACC's all-time leader in touchdown passes. As I said, he's physically talented, as physically talented as anybody when it comes to uh, spinning the rock. But just the stages that he will be on, the program that he's going to, the history, the tradition, a lot of people will be looking at them as college football contenders next season because of him. He will have ample opportunities on a national stage. Now, what he will do with them, that's very much the jury is out for me. But just as far as just uh, everything that he's going to get playing at Notre Dame and the notoriety and the stages that he will get to play on, I think it's going to be tremendous. I mean, Brennan Armstrong on NC State, yeah, they may play in a couple of big games as far as the ACC is concerned. Uh, Devin Leary going to Kentucky, I mean, again, I, I don't really understand that move, and he's not going to play in – he's not going to be in many big spots going to Kentucky. Uh, to me, you know, Kentucky's decent program, solid. Mark Stoops has gotten them going in the right direction. They're much better than they once were. But as far as just comparing all of these to the stage and the opportunities that Sam Hartman will have at Notre Dame, it's not even close. Well, I, I think – And we Bre- forgot DJ, too, in there. As far as him going to Oregon State. Yeah, do you think that would be – that's not better than Sam Hartman, though, is it? No, it's not better than Sam Hartman. But him going in there, I think, you know, I think that was a nice move for DJ going back out to the West Coast. And I'm very anxious to see what he'll do. Yeah, I know both of you are pretty high on Oregon State. You know, going into the season, if I'm not mistaken, I think you guys no, were talking about really. – Oh, not you. Not so no, it was just I, you, oh I, oh, I think they're okay, a packed well, title contender to going into next year. They return all five of their offensive uh, linemen from a year ago. 
They return, I think, pretty much everyone from their skill position group. Jonathan, Jonathan Smith is the best coach in, in the country that nobody virtually talks about. He's going to be off the radar out there in, in the Pacific Northwest. So I think Oregon State, a team that went 10-3 and this year, they beat Oregon in their rivalry game, they rocked Florida in their bowl game, will be a sleeper team going into next year. Um, and so I think overall that's probably the best move of all the transfer quarterbacks. I think second is Brennan Armstrong to to NC State. I think it's better than Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame because I think he's going to be the same guy in South Bend that he was in Winston-Salem. Going to put up big numbers, but he's not going to win big games. Brennan Armstrong, if he's healthy, could be a quarterback that has NC State back in contention to win nine, ten games in the regular season. No divisions in the ACC anymore. Maybe he's the type of guy that can get the Wolfpack to an ACC title game. But they did that already with the hodgepodge to take Walker's word of quarterbacks that they had this year. Yeah, I think Brennan Armstrong's better than the hodgepodge they had out there this year. Well, if he's better than that, though, don't you think you would want them? Now, I can see you saying that he can get them to the ACC championship game. I mean, I'm not saying that's plausible. I don't think it will happen. But if that's the end result, then, yeah, I think it's the best move. But I just think that, you know, if he does that, if he wins nine games, now 10, you know, we know that's what they were shooting for. But if they only won like eight or nine games, I mean, well, they did that with the guys they had. I actually agree with Fiddy. I think Brennan Armstrong going to NC State is the best decision made of any of these QBs. And the reason I think that is because you, if you're talking about Notre Dame, you're right in that Sam Hartman went to the best program. And so if we're talking about who went to the best program, no doubt, it's Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to compete with that history. Mm -hmm. But Sam Hartman was probably the only guy of these QBs that had a shot to go to that level of, of school. Right. And so if you're Brennan Armstrong... Well, they were talking Armstrong possibly to Notre Dame as well. Well, I mean, I and I think that they would choose Sam Hartman over Brennan Armstrong, right, right. which maybe you can bake into the cake. I don't necessarily do that. If we're just talking about all of the different schools within your power that you could go play QB for and start, I think Armstrong getting back to the thing that worked for him is going to be fantastic. Because if you go back to having the crazy year that you had in 2021, still within the ACC, then you can resurrect some of that value that fell off of a cliff completely. I mean, going, I don't know what you had in your power rankings going into the season, mm -hmm. but I would expect Armstrong to have been top five. Brandon Armstrong right? was our number two player in the ACC Woo! top 25 players. I mean, overall. that is a huge draw. But he also does not have the requisite weapons that he had at Virginia. Dontavian Wicks had a special year in that offense. You're talking about Keaton Thompson uh, was big time in that offense, too. And then, um, oh, what's the other receiver? It was Wicks. And, so you just don't believe in the personnel with NC State no. is going to be working. Yeah, there. that's what I'm saying. No, it's, it, like I said, that year he had that that monster. Yeah, he had Wicks, he had Thompson, and then oh god, who was the other guy on the other side? Because he was nasty too. Um, but anyway, he had two big time receivers. And so personnel outside might not be as good. The offensive line, while you might not even like NC State's O line, that's going to be better than what Virginia had last year too, though. It will be. And you're going to be working with a better, at least an offensive mind that worked with Armstrong. So I get what you're saying. Sam Hartman is going to Notre Dame. That's an awesome school to go play football for. I just don't know if Brennan Armstrong, even if he was considered, if Hartman is going to do that. I don't know if that's it's if that's going to be the, the best decision um, made in all of these guys. Now, what about Drake May sticking with North Carolina? Where does that measure with all of these other decisions? And Fiddy, we can go to you. Drake May sticking here with North Carolina. 
Was that ultimately the right decision, staying in Chapel Hill, or do you think that it would have been a better decision for him to go elsewhere because, Lord knows, he could have gone anywhere he wanted to? I wanted to be. I wanted to, whenever we look back and say at his time at Carolina, he made the right decision to turn down the NIL offers that he had to stay in Chapel Hill. I just don't think when it's all said and done, it's going to be like, I, I think when we look at next season, I don't think if Mac Brown makes any, if he, if he doesn't make any changes to the defensive side of the ball and, and his staff, particularly Tim Cross and Dre Bly, this program's not going anywhere. They're not going to get back to the ACC title game. And, and, and so I think like if he doesn't get back, you just pretty much wasted Sam Howell in the grand scheme of things. You never won anything of significance. You do the same thing with Drake May. Well, I mean, it's not fair to those kids. So um, I think, and Drake would never say this publicly, but I think, you know, if, if next season goes seven and five, eight and four, he will know internally he should have left for the SEC, the Big 12, for an, an, an NIL opportunity and a chance to win marquee games. And he's just not going to win at Carolina. Yeah, I was going to say, so when you say that, Walt, what do you, like, as far as the in-game right decision for him as far as what? Like, what are we talking about as far as the in-game if he made the right decision? Well, I think it's just whatever in-game you think would be the best for him, right? Like, there's a reason you put Sam Hartman as a better decision over Brandon Armstrong, right? Like, why do you ultimately think it's going to work out for Drake May staying here? Yes, as far as NFL draft positioning, it's going to be right, hard to completely right, yeah. fall off. Now, I think if you talk, if you're talking championships, legacy type of stuff, then no, I would say no. He did not. If he could, I'm fairly certain he could have had his choice of schools that he wanted to go to. Like, let's just say that Alabama's still sitting there, like, hey, remember us? You were committed to us at one point, and with Bryce Young leaving, him going in there and have the potential of starting, which he probably would, then no, I, I definitely will say he did not make the right decision. If he goes to Alabama next year, that's instant Heisman Trophy contention. That's instant college football playoff contention. Like Alabama would probably be looked at as a heavy favorite next year to win the national championship if they got one Drake May. Yeah, it's if you view it as being a quarterback that has success at Alabama where you can absolutely have a storied season, then that would carry a lot of weight. If he feels that he can do something like that with North Carolina, play for playoff contention, then that would carry a lot more because we haven't seen the Tar Heels do that before. I don't see that happening. That would be unprecedented, and that's kind of hard to predict. But you do have a crazy talented QB now that is staying with North Carolina. And so if he's able to bring them even, what about winning an ACC championship? Because if you win an ACC championship, you're going to have a shot to make the playoff. It doesn't, it's not a foregone conclusion. Mm -hmm. We just saw that with Clemson, but you're going to have a shot with the ACC championship. Now having Drake may back at the quarterback spot and you know, maybe he gets better, right? Like it's going to be, it's going to be a a guy that you almost expect to get better just from the logic of going from freshman to sophomore. Right. So I think that would mean a lot for him. And uh, of course the North Carolina Tar Heels as a whole, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that as the show goes on, but we need to get back to the Carolina Panthers conversation, which Panther gained the most yesterday, which Panther lost the most yesterday because of their performances against the saints. We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Wesson Walker sports radio, 92, seven WFNZ. Talking during the break about how angry both of you get watching, whether it be middle school basketball or whether it be your kids league, Wes, both of you bonded over that situation because both of you get angry at the refs and even the teams in which your kids and or brothers play. We all got jobs to do, man. And the ref out there yesterday, (laughs) 
kid's getting knocked on the ground. He's calling nothing. But then he calls a little petty foul telling him to stop reaching. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They you just kids, want consistency. Hey, I'm like, there are kids flying all over the court. But yeah, you decide to call a little cheap foul and say, stop reaching. Like, come on, man. I think Fiddy probably is still worse than you watching his brother's league just based off what he told us. Like, I'm not, this is based off of what you guys were discussing during the break. Would you say that as well, or do you think Wes is pretty close? I I've walked across the court and said something to the coach before. You told but that's because that I helped yeah. him <laughs> as well. I coached a few games undefeated, Mark, by the way. But I'm not opposed to going to have a chit chat with the ref. Uh, three games. There you go. Yeah. Undefeated, three and zero. It, it matters, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like for me, like I've never gone as far as Wes has, you know, because I'm there with my parents, and like my dad is equally. He's worse than I am. Uh, like my thing is that like I'm just so passionate about the game that like I can't not, I can't not yell. I can't not not coach the game because I mean, believe it or not, I do know quite a little bit about the game of basketball. And so, you know, it's, it's just all very well communicated. I let my thoughts be known <laughs> to the official. I let my thoughts be known to my little brother in a positive way. And I let my thoughts be known to the two kids that could not guard my little brother mm-hmm. in a not so positive I was way. say, there's no way that was positive. You let them know. I mean, I just let them know that they couldn't guard my brother mm-hmm. and that my little brother should take them off the dribble every time. Well, it sounds supportive, though. Like, that's that yeah. sounds fantastic. I actually, like, yesterday when I sat at the game, the coaches, I believe it was his wife or his girlfriend or something, was sitting beside me. I did get up and go walk across to the other side of the gym because I said, if I say something bad about the coach, uh, I don't want her to be sitting near me. And then there was one child for the other team whose parents were sitting right beside me who I did say some disparaging things about, but quietly to my girlfriend as we sat there. Uh, Thomas wrote in, I'm all over the refs at basketball games. <laughs> um, yeah, I imagine it's, it's it's very similar for a lot of different parents and maybe even older brothers watching uh, their kids play basketball. Panther Bo wrote in, hashtag passion. That's what Fiddy is bringing. But yeah, I, I mean... I know you got to get away from everybody when you're screaming like that, but it, it, how often is it? I mean, how how angry are you getting most of the time? I do get annoyed when yeah. I see stuff that's just like blatant. Like I was telling during the break, like the one game where there was a kid out there doing Bush League stuff, you know, throwing his shoulders in the kids and when he was getting on the ground, giving a little extra stuff and blatant stuff that could get somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. And so when the ref is not calling that and then his coach is not saying anything about it, I'm like, this is ridiculous because like I said I helped coach the team last year I'm like if I was out there I'm going to be saying something to the ref about this and if he doesn't do anything then I will go say something to the other coach and say you need to sit him down and talk to him um 704 number wrote in hey guys there's a national shortage of refs sign up and become one (laughs) I was one were you really in, in high school? No, I could definitely baseball, see right? no, it, it was it was baseball. Yeah, my dad um, growing up, you know, we, we I mean, I, I grew up on a ball field six days out of the week. Whether I was playing or my dad was up and we were at the ball field. I got old enough at 14. You could ump and uh, you were first base up, right? I was the first base up and I was the greatest guy. If you ever wanted to get the check swing call, because I never, I never said the kid went around. Did you ever, ever? No. no. Nope. <laughs> Did you see Fifty being like a Tim Donahue type of ref? Oh yeah. When I, well, oh, who, the, who's the biggest degenerate? Then the answer is yes. Yeah. hundred percent. That's exactly what Fifty would be. But you'd be. See, I don't know. I feel like his passion for the game might not allow him to be Donahue like. It's a good point. It's funny to see him. I think that there's a huge difference between him just being this lax dude out there as the first base ump. You would not be lax in a basketball game. 
you would be all over the place. And I think you would be exactly like TV Teddy calling those charges. <laughs> That's what Fitty would be. I don't know, dude. TV Teddy missed a blatant flagrant two foul the other day. But you wouldn't. Oh, yeah. No, I'd have been all over them because uh, Cormac Ryan would have been, you know, in the locker room three point or point three seconds after committing the foul. Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, I, dude, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I was a god awful ref. Like, my dad literally fired me. That's how bad I was. Is this the second time that he's fired you? He Dang. fired you from the real job and the ref job? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was terrible. I was always, and this is my biggest problem with officiating, and, and, and you see this a lot in every sport now. So much about officiating is position yourself in the right the right way. I was never in the right position as the first base up to make the right calls. Well, you, I mean, were you just not looking at home plate? Because you, <laughs> you re- literally, I mean, there's not too many spaces as a ref where you're literally given a box to stand in and not to leave. And that happens with the third base up and the first base up. And you're telling me you still couldn't get yourself in the right position. It means you're just not looking. That's well, I mean, what it sometimes means. Sometimes you had to, I think there's, and literally there's only two umps. So you're the, the base ump is the person to make all the calls at first, second, and third base. So you had to move around the diamond. I would never put myself in the right position to make the calls. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was awful. I, I just like the idea of you not putting yourself in the right position when it came to whether a guy went or not at home plate. And you have to stand in that box. It's literally just not looking at home plate. <laughs> You're looking somewhere else when a player is sweet. Oh, what? Huh? I uh, safe. Notorious for reaching into my back pocket to get some sunflower seeds or a cow tail to, to chew on during. Oh, cow tails at a local baseball game. Is there anything more south than that? I mean, I love, yeah, the cat in a sun drop in a can or a cheer wine and a cow tail. Absolutely. Going to the baseball game with either one of those two snacks. You can text us 704-570-9610. Let's transition to some Panthers conversation where there were a lot of individual storylines to pay attention to. Um, West Sam Darnold did not do himself any favors, and he perhaps had the most on the line coming into this game when you were talking about just an individual player. Here's his stat line. In a 10-7 to victory over the Saints, he goes 5 of 15 throwing the football, totaled 43 yards passing, 33% completion percentage, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and had a QBR of 11, a passer rating of 2.8. It was by far the worst game that he had played since being named the starter against the Denver Broncos that eventually saw Carolina win 23 to 10. Got to be the guy that lost the most yesterday, right? Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, you cannot come out and have a performance like that when you want to announce yourself as a starting quarterback in this league coming off of a three turnover performance, whether or not they were all your fault is to be determined. But like I said, there was also uh, some bad throws at the end of that, uh, that that Tampa game as well. So then you talk about coming into this football game and having this caliber of performance, especially with some really bad throws mixed in, two interceptions to go along with uh, just a, I don't even know how to describe it. Paltry, I think, would be being nice about this performance that he has. So, yeah, I definitely think that he lost the most yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're talking about the... He put himself in the backup box. I mean, what he did yesterday, it was it was some really bad quarterbacking. And I know somebody texted in earlier and said it wasn't all Sam's fault. I mean, you can say that about a lot of different bad quarterback performances, but they weren't good throws that were interceptions. And you're talking about only competing, completing... 
five passes, and while the receivers, yeah, they might not be getting as much separation, but it was oh, not good. Oh, good Lord. Come on now. Try to put on a receiver saying oh, separation. Not. No, not you, but yeah. if, if one of the texts is like, that's ridiculous. What did you think about saying, oh, you're, yeah, all right. What you think, Fitty? Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> for the most part, I thought that all the receivers, you know, Let's just say they have. They, I mean, they looked as uninvested as anybody on the field did yesterday. Like DJ Moore to be the type of guy that he is to to never really get any separation. Terrence Marshall Jr. I thought didn't really do anything. Like, don't get it wrong. Sam Darnold wasn't great yesterday, and this isn't me coming to his defense because he should be the team's quarterback next year, which still remains to be true. But it was an all-around just woeful offensive performance, and yeah, separation does matter. So, like, if no one's open, you can only do so many different things. And I thought the best thing he did, especially on that game-winning drive, was pull the was pull the ball down and use his legs. And those were plays that Sam Darnold doesn't make last year. He never made them as a Jet. And so what I thought he showed yesterday was a mental fortitude wow. to, to battle through a, a game where he individually was bad, his team as a as a whole was bad. He made a bad throw that should have lost in the game. That didn't happen. And what he do? He led them right back down the field. They kick a game winning field goal. He finishes five and two as the starting quarterback as the, of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and lock this up as Fitty's worst take ever by far. This is just awful to to try to defend such a horrible performance. Well, I mean, you he said- won the game. He beat the guy that you had ranked as the number five overall player fine. on the Boom. field with a That's two. 2.4 passer rating. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you got it right. And it was 2.8, but 32 net passing yards by an NFL quarterback because I'm not buying for one second the receivers weren't getting separation. We, we'd have to get the all 22 film and go through each individual rep because I'm sure that there are plenty of minuses that he's getting from his quarterback coach today for throws that he missed. Uh, he cannot be this team's quarterback going forward. He put himself in the backup box after that performance yesterday. You have to get a guy in there. I don't care what NFL wide receivers you have. You should not be coming out of a game with 32 net passing yards. Yards Horrible don't matter. Wins do. He won the damn game. Come on, man. Stop. So, okay. But the problem is when he loses the game against Tampa and doesn't show up well at the end, does that loss matter? I mean, if, if it's only wins and yards don't matter, you came in last week and said it wasn't his fault that they lost. And then at the end of the game, he wasn't very good. He threw an interception, turned it over a couple times. And also you're talking about him not putting the team in position to win at the very end. Despite, yes, I gave him credit. Those touchdown passes were awesome. But now we can't sit here and say that wins matter when you didn't get a win last week, despite you defending him. He was five and two as a team starting quarterback. Would the Panthers have been playing for a division title? He's four and two, but four, okay, four and two as the team starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Would the Panthers have been playing for a division title with PJ Walker as his team starting quarterback? I don't think there was a huge difference between these two. There was okay, a huge so, difference. so you think if PJ stays, they go on the road and win at Seattle? I think he could. I could yeah. see that. I don't think it's crazy yeah. if he gets what Sam Donald I mean, got from Deontay Walk. I mean, from Deontay Foreman in those wins. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, do. his QBR was thirty-seven in that game against Seattle. I mean, it's like it's not like he was the reason that they won. You're right. Like ultimately, it's going to be hard to, to to argue with. Hey, they got the win. What other argument do I need, Sean? Right. Like I I get that whole thing, but it's not like Sam was insane in that game. I mean, that's that's the thing. It just can't prohibit you from acquiring a QB if you like a Will Levis, if you like an Anthony Richardson. Like, yes, it w- does. 
Those guys that don't guy, make that sense. Broke, that broke some. That broke some glass. I did. The way Drafting those guys do not make sense unless you're willing to carry four quarterbacks on your roster. So you keep saying that. Okay. Do you want to have the ignorance of going into a situation next year with no experienced backup quarterback behind? Because like Matt Corral is not going to be ready to start. The rookie that Levis or Richardson is going to be ready to start. So you got to keep either PJ or Sam. You don't want to keep an experienced backup on the roster. Go right ahead because you're putting whoever the head coach is, Steve Wilkes, whoever it is, in a position to fail. Sam Darnold just might be that backup quarterback that you keep on the roster, especially if you're talking about him being a bridge guy, right? What difference does it make, Fiddy? Like you're talking about bringing in Sam Darnold to be the bridge guy. Even you yourself aren't necessarily talking about him being the franchise QB, correct? I don't think that's anything you've ever said, right? No, he's a bridge quarterback. Correct. And that quarterback isn't on the roster, which I get is why you think, oh, we need to go well, acquire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can live it's with not, bridge. It's not in this right. draft, though. Right. Unless you're going to get a franchise franchise quarterback like Derek Carr? No, you're not drafting a quarterback in this draft. Well, okay, the Derek Carr thing about being a, a franchise QB, but like when we're talking about <laughs> Sam Darnold being the bridge quarterback, okay? I don't mind that. If you want to bring him in as the starter, that's fine. But having a veteran backup, that would be weird to have Sam Darnold as your quarterback, as the bridge guy. We all agree shouldn't be the franchise. So then you're going to start P.J. Walker as that experience backup you're talking about or whatever experience backup you want to bring in. I don't really care. The name is not all that important. You're always going to go to a younger QB in this scenario, whether you draft a QB or not, because Matt Corral's on the roster. So you keep bringing up, keep four QBs. No, you're getting rid of P.J. Like, I mean, you're, you're going to keep Sam in this situation. You're going to keep Matt Corral because of the draft pick, and you traded up for him, which means you invested too much, but you invested in him. And you're going to select whatever QB that we're talking about right now in this draft. So if you move on from Sam, then it's always going to be for a younger QB anyway. You're not moving on from Sam to start PJ anymore. Because, and so you got to draft a QB. No, you don't. I mean, at some point, I would love to. Yeah, yes. yeah. At some point, it's twenty twenty four. This year, it just does not. It doesn't make sense. So, what happens if Sam gives you all these turnovers again and performs really bad? Like, do we just go with Matt Corral and talk about not giving a guy a shot? I mean, goodness gracious, you think Matt Corral gives the guy a shot like Steve Wilkes or whatever the head coach is? Well, then you find out what Matt Corral has to offer you, which at some point you still you, a you, third you, round pick. You. St- that you oh, have so to, because he's drafted in the third round, he doesn't deserve the chance to prove that he can play in this league. That's what training camps for. That's what the offseason is for. And he, okay, he came you, into a situation with a quarterback battle, then he got his foot hurt. He didn't have a, he didn't have the type of normal reps he would normally get. Wes, do you think that Matt Corral should be so invested in that it prohibits you from drafting a QB in Not the first at all. if you like Not that guy? Not one iota. Because who else is making, what other NFL GM, what other, I mean, if you draft a QB in the third round, it's not going to prohibit you from t- selecting the guy in the first the following year if you view him. I mean, hell, there's some GMs that would say, we drafted this guy in the first round. We're still going to select the next year a QB if we view him as the more talented guy. That That is crazy to me. I will like If you want to have Sam Donald be the starting QB as the bridge guy, completely fine. I think he did enough for you to be okay with that, even though we can't absolve him from the bad performance he had yesterday, despite receivers may not getting open and the offensive line being bad. Man, he exacerbated all those problems when you threw for two interceptions. But when you're discussing a third-round rookie that you drafted, prohibiting you from selecting another guy because you don't want to carry two young QBs, 
I mean, that is Mitch Kupchak type level logic when you trade Jalen Duran for a future pick and say, well, we don't want too many young, talented guys. Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy because I look at the NFC South next year, and let's just assume that Tom Brady isn't back. The Panthers will probably be the perceived favorite to win the division. And Matt Corral will leave Matt no, Corral. Sam, Sam Darnold's going to lead you to that division because he would come back. I mean, unless Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston's the, the the quarterback of the Saints, he would enter next season unless Tampa went out and acquired a Derek Carr who, or whoever, the the best known quantity at quarterback in the division. And I think, especially if that's Steve Wilkes, that's going to matter if he's the head coach. Because if, if he gets the job, I think we're all on the same page. He has probably two years, three years at the most to prove that he's the right guy to lead this franchise moving forward. This division's awful. This division sucks. But he gives you a chance. He just proved that this year to give you a chance to win the division. Something that Matt Corral doesn't, P.J. Walker doesn't, let alone Will or Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Are, are you arguing about Sam Darnold being the star? Like, I'm, I'm not arguing about Sam being the, the bridge guy. Like, I get that. If that's what you were arguing about again, like I, I'm cool with that. Like I, I agree that Matt Corral does it, which is why it doesn't make sense to draft a quarterback when next year. If you- Matt Corral does it, I mean, I, if Matt Corral does it, then we're literally arguing about the same thing at some point. No, I'm saying you draft a quarterback in 2024, which is fine too if you want to. I mean, look, I'm not saying if if Willie Anderson is on the board and you think he is going to be better than any of the QBs, take Willie Anderson. My whole point is you can't just not take Will Levis if you if you believe he's the guy or a Richardson because you have Matt Corral on the roster. Like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to take this guy I really think is good because we got to see what Matt Corral can do, who was a part of what was an awful quarterback class last year. You can't have him dictate what your decision is going to be. Fitty Flash, last one of the day. What you got for us? Flash us. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um... <laughs> Wes, I heard there was a fight on Friday or on Saturday night. Yes, it was. Did did that fight? Because first off, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know who won the fight. So okay. first off, did the fight live up to the hype? And was it worth you spending your Skrilla on it as you treated? I believe your your son was ever. So I assume y'all had some father son time. Yeah, man. Uh, got the Javante Tank Davis fight. You know, bringing bringing that urban flavor to the show as far as Javante Davis is a guy very popular in the urban community, but he's getting very popular overall. I mean, that fight, he did 19,000 in D.C. Uh, the other night, his last couple of fights, there have been sellouts at Barclays Center. I think he had a record crowd for a boxing match there, so he's pretty popular, man. You guys got to get familiar, but the fight was very good. I spent my $75 on it. Uh, the undercards were quite uh, entertaining as well because I said, if I'm going to spend $75, I had yeah. both TVs in the front room. I said, I'm going to watch every doggone fight on this card. So I had that going as we were watching Jacksonville. My boy Trevor Lawrence get his first playoff appearance uh, as well. But the Javante Davis fight was it was pretty good. The guy didn't come out of the corner, I believe, in the eighth round. He said he couldn't see anymore. Uh, but they were they were battling. It was it was entertaining. They had a little break because Meek Mill and his crew got into a skirmish. I saw that. Yeah. So they had to take a break uh, in the fight. But my main thing was the fight was so doggone late. It was ridiculous. I'm sitting at 11.15. Bryce and I are like, when is this fight going to start? Because I'm thinking 11.30 most start times for the major fights, which is late enough as it is. They're showing the next guy warming up in the locker room. I said, good God, we got to sit through another fight, which went, I believe, 12 rounds until we get to see Javante. What and time, then what time did 12.30, it start? they were doing walkouts. <laughs> 
Bryce tried to make it, I think about, uh, I think about six rounds. I'm sitting there talking. I'm thinking he's listening to me. I'm looking at my phone and talking to him. I look over. He's just knocked out. Do you out, wake him gone. up or do you just let no, him No, I just let him go. He was gone by then. But I said, man, he didn't make it. And so I just finished the fight. But I was like, come on. They got to start these fights a little earlier. Yeah, the, the last time I ever, I, I never paid for a fight, but I'd go out to the bar sometimes. Yeah. I, I did watch the Mayweather-Conor McGregor quote-unquote fight. That yeah. was the boxing match between those two. <laughs> that was the last time you I watched You got to find stuff like to do, make up chores, push <sighs> back stuff you want to do so you can stay to, to, up. To stay in and then have to stay up, right? Like right. Part of the re- yeah. Were you comfortable laying 100%. on the couch? You might get a blanket or something. It's you easy. A lot easier at the bar, but if you're staying in, you got the sweatpants <laughs> the on. The $75 kept me up, though. I said, if I pay 75 buddy, I'm going to be up for this. No, I would imagine so. All right, it's time for the walk-off and what's on tap. This day in sports history, we'll get to all of that coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. During the break, Fiddy decides to reflect on the past show, last <laughs> few hours, and said, you know what? I've been really good today. <laughs> Nothing about the show overall, like how it's been good. Yeah. He said as good as a performance as he's ever that's, had. That's correct. That's verbatim. This is as good as of a performance as I've ever had. And it was funny because as he was saying that, that self-assessment, I literally, real time, clicked on the text message in a conversation between him and Mint Hillbilly, (laughs) where Mint Hillbilly asked, is there anything that Fiddy isn't good at? And Fiddy said, I'm the best at everything. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of self-confidence right now from the man that also broke some glass with the high squeal that he put in one of the reactions to my take about Sam Darnold. I mean, we had a couple of other people saying we do know that Fiddy is still undergoing puberty now <laughs> after that. Um, to, to be fair, a 336 number wrote in some of Walker's worst takes ever right now. So someone did agree with you. I don't know if they have the high-pitched voice that you have, but someone did agree. And then other people are saying you're a Sam Donald apologist. And so, you know, a couple people, you know, 704 said Fiddy's kind of right. I'm not taking one of these QBs at nine. I'm taking a stud, best player available. So a couple of differing opinions there. I just want you to cut that soundbite of your reaction hitting the high note. Oh, it's going to be a promo on the station airing later this afternoon because I thought I thought for a second there we were about to have our second biggest fight. No, I pretty much stopped that as soon as I had a reaction to your reaction. Yeah, like, like I, I thought maybe this was about to be Serena Williams like 2.0. Mm-hmm. Like Wes like, was completely out of the viewing area. Like I couldn't even see like where I sit. I can usually see Wes's head. But Wes had moved so far out of the way. Like, he was just, like, my peripheral could only catch his vision. Like, he was just letting you and I go back and forth. And so... uh, I have no clue. By the way, like, transitioning, I have zero clue what Wes does during the show. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, like, you are in so many different positions throughout the show. I mean, it is one of the... It's one of the kind of sequences that you get on a sitcom where they have freeze frames and then Wes is upside down. He's got his feet up. He's to the side. He's in the front. The microphone's over here. Now the microphone's here. Wes Bryant moves constantly, even through takes. Like, this is him. You know, I don't think Sam Donald should be really the starting quarterback <laughs> of the show. So, you know, or of the, of the Carolina Panthers. For me, I don't think that can prohibit you 
from taking a first round QB. <laughs> it is it is a satellite that circles the planet that is Wes Bryant's head, and sometimes you get to hear it, and sometimes you don't. That's just the way that the dude rolls, man. Yeah, man. You know it. I mean, moving a shaker, moving, shaking, and popping. It reminds me of the time that we all came in here injured, and you were just lying on the floor. <laughs> yes. And then you also put your feet up that time. Yeah, Wes Bryant, man. He only dances to the tune of his own beat. Let's go to what's on tap. It's a pretty easy one here today. Georgia TCU 2023 National Championship. Do you think kickoff happens before 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? Wes, no, do you think so? I don't. It's typical ESPN. You get the pregame show, and then you get the pre-pre-show, and then you get the pre uh, national anthem show. Then you get the post national <laughs> anthem show. Anthem then you get the show. pre before the kickers toes hit the ball show, and then we start the game after that. What about Fiddy? I mean, you said some disturbing things. What are you going to do if they start this game before eight o'clock? Dude, I, I think I said because we've all talked about like what it would take for us to come into work in the nude. If this game starts before eight o'clock on the, which would be five o'clock on the West Coast, I, 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 I mean, we will just have a party at that. Because, I mean, these games don't start till like, usually 8.15, 8.30, which means we're not going to bed till 12, 12.30. So there's there's no chance in hell this game kicks off before 8. I like that question. What would make you come do the show in the nude? Yeah. And I've talked about it on Twitter. If the Hornets win the lottery and select Wembenyama, might be naked the following show. Gotcha. That might happen. You're Wes, talking about Wimby adding a ton of value to your franchise? Being the seven four generational, maybe best prospect we've seen, that that might be one that shows a little bit of skin. Okay. Wes, if the Niners win the Super Bowl, are you coming in? Yeah, that would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be mine. No question about it. Well, what about Wimby? Would would, would Wimby Wim, get you naked? W- Wimby would not. And that okay. that phrasing was yeah, that that phrasing was pretty tough. Wimby get you naked? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. Yeah, bananas. Yeah, man. Would have, Fiddy, I think there's a lot that would get you naked on this show. <laughs> I think a, a Cowboy playoff win. Uh, oh, you know, no, I don't oh, wow. want that playoff win. I guess that's true. You're right. You've been one to want them to lose so you can move off of Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I want Mike. I want them all. Everyone but Dan Quinn fired. Like, <laughs> I mean, like if Carolina wins the national title in basketball this year, no. Like, I've seen them win a natty. Mm-hmm. The Mets winning a World Series. I mean, I mean... I'm already unbearable as it is. You let the Amazons go ho- go host a trophy, I'll be naked for a week. That was the most consistent hatred that our listeners have had towards you. It's the fact that you would lead off the last hour of the show with the, what is it, what's the song that you would play? It's, it's Narco, and That's it's right. coming back once baseball season is here, which is roughly 80 days away. I am so excited. All right, we'll get to some Mets baseball later on in the year. Right now, it's time for what happened on this day in sports history. All right, guys, on this day in 1972, led by future Lakers star Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Milwaukee Buck, the, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Lakers 120-104. to Why is that significant? It ended L.A.'s consecutive win streak at 33 games, the longest winning streak in Major League Sports history. The Miami Heat went on a 27-game win streak, yeah. I think it was. I think this is a record that will never be broken, especially when the era of load management and the like. Uh, On this day in 1991, speaking of baseball, baseball officially banned Pete Rose from being elected to the Hall of Fame. 
for betting on baseball. Last week, the state of Cincinnati, the state of Cincinnati, opened its first ever sports book. Pete Rose placed a bet. It's amazing. On the Reds to win the World Series in 2023. And then on this day in 1991, Dean Smith, the former UNC basketball coach, collected his 700th career victory as Notre Dame beat Maryland 105-73. He became the sixth coach to win the 700-win plateau and did so in the shortest amount of time. I was so mad when Bob Knight, I believe, was the first to pass him on the most all-time wins list when that happened because of my disdain for one Bob Knight. But when that happened, I was really frustrated. And, of course, we've seen Roy Williams get all those victories. Coach K now with the lead after passing 1,000, putting up a ton of victories. Not happening with John Shire. You know, now we'll talk about uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit more in the week. College basketball recap and continue to update everything happening surrounding the Carolina Panthers. Steve Wilkes' job interview is happening tomorrow and some of the other candidates rolling in. That'll do it for Weston Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's Sports Radio 92.7 FM.